Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I caught my first flight since March, and I learned if you don't want to draw unwanted attention, try not to sneeze on a plane. My name is Justin Hamilton, and I'm really lamenting the pollen count here on Big Squid. A really fun podcast today with my friend and comedian Alex Jay making her first appearance on Big Squid. Alex is the co-host of the Ladies' Guide to Dude Cinema podcast. And for today's chat, Alex reveals all the dude movies that took her by surprise. I asked her to tell me a few films and, uh, you know, I just was curious for her to throw maybe two or three my way, and she brought a nice juicy list of films she thought she was going to hate, but really came around to. And it's such a fun chat, and especially the top two movies she ended up loving. It's really super enjoyable. It also kind of gives you an insight into what makes Alex tick. As you might already be aware, Alex is one of the many guests we have on the lineup for the Big Squid Live FOMUS show on December 13. You can either stream the show online or join us at the wonderful new Giant Dwarf venue in Surrey Hills. Joining Alex and me for the show are Rove McManus, Georgia Mooney, Richard Feidler, Alice Fraser, Ben Elwood, and Cal Wilson's friend Adele. This is a leisurely early Sunday night show. So it would be just like watching Countdown (laughs) with less glitter and maybe more honest drinking. That's probably a good way to put it. Anyone from overseas uh, thinking, what the fuck's a Countdown? Uh, Look into YouTube, Molly Meldrum, Countdown, and uh, on behalf of Australia, you're welcome. To see our show, though, head to giantdwarf.com.au for more details. And if you have some friends who might enjoy this, please encourage them to check us out. The more people watching, the more viable it remains for us to produce this type of show. And we would like to keep bringing it to you online. So 
wherever you are, you can join in on the fun. I just performed two sold-out shows in Canberra with Tom Gleeson, and it was great to be back in the ACT. I'm joining Tom again for the 28th of November in Newcastle and 4th of December at the Sydney Opera House. Tom's show is fantastic. It's just <laughs> really great. So if you're in one of those cities and would like to come along, head to comedy.com.au for more details. Before we bring Alex in, I've had a few people ask me about which comic books are the best to start off with, especially if you've never really read a comic before, or you, you, you've read a couple here and there, but you're, you're really comic book curious and you want to really dig into something. And it's such a tricky question as, I don't know, so many comics are immersed in deep continuity and it means you have to know a lot about a character before you begin reading and then there are others that are brilliant but the reader might be lost if they don't have the correct context so as an example the Watchmen graphic novel is brilliant but the satire can be slightly lost if you don't have an understanding of the genre it is satirizing and I'm not saying it's beyond a non-comic book reader but it just might take a little more effort So I've been thinking about an answer to this for a while and there are a number that came to mind, a number of graphic novels that I thought would be a good answer and I sat on it for a little bit longer until I decided maybe this is the perfect one or one of the perfect ones. And for me, Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly's We Three is a masterpiece. Now, the two of them have worked many times together on titles such as All-Star Superman, New X-Men, Flex Mentallo, Batman and Robin, uh, Justice League Earth 2. All brilliant, all fantastic pieces of work, but they're probably all quite daunting to the new comic book reader. So for me, We Three is their Dunkirk. It is the the Christopher Nolan movie, not necessarily the, the moment in history. It is a lean, muscular read coming in at 60-ish pages, which isn't really very long, and it tells one story. It is equal parts exhilarating, funny, satirical, confronting, and heartbreaking, and there is no fat on the bone. So the story is, In We Three, it tells the tale of the ultimate military weapons who go on clandestine missions to take out American enemies. Who are these weapons? They're three animals, a dog, a cat, and a rabbit, who have been cybernetically decked out in mechanical suits that turn them into living weapons. When they are no longer useful to the government, their handler is told to decommission them, but instead the handler sets the animals free so they can make their way to safety. And where is a safe place for these animals? Home. They want to go home, wherever that might be. This is like Lassie Come Home crossed with Robocop. Grant Morrison declared in interviews around the time that he wanted to make a Disney movie with fangs, and the team has... More than succeeded. The artwork is beautiful with Quietly's line work enhanced by colorist and digital inker Jamie Grant. You should not underestimate Jamie Grant's work uh, here as well. It's it's phenomenal. And the, the artwork is so beautiful and it, it is so compelling. You, you want to turn the page quickly to see what happens next. It's, it gives off such a kinetic energy. But try to force yourself to slow down and admire everything in each panel. Don't binge this comic. You want to linger on the characters' faces or the little details in the background or even just the tilt of an animal's head when it's comprehending what's going on around it. 
Morrison's writing is pitch perfect. The animals have a rudimentary ability to talk and he manages to create very distinct patterns that not only make the dog, cat and rabbit distinct, but also fits in with the archetype of each pet. There are so many breathtaking moments in this comic that lurch from revulsion to fear to sadness to even moments of comedy. If you're an animal lover, you might find this confronting at times. The satire of the work is biting, but it is also uplifting. And once again, if you pay attention amongst the action and the carnage, there is a real heart to this story about unwilling killing machines wanting to find a place they can call home. I love it so much, and so does our good friend Ben Elwood. After we recorded one of our Christopher Nolan podcasts, I asked him to share some of his thoughts on We 3, just a few minutes, and it was a bit unfair because he hadn't read it for a while, but he shared his thoughts, and of course, it's Ben Elwood, so it was beautifully illuminating, and of course, it goes a little bit longer than we expected. (laughs) But anyway, here's a little cameo from Ben now. Ben Elwood and I had just finished our review of <laughs> Interstellar, which will be coming out in uh, in a few weeks, and uh, I thought I would just keep him for a few minutes more to uh, discuss We Three. You know, you've already heard me talk about uh, the comic in general, but Ben, can you remember when you first read We Three? Did you read it as individual issues, or did you read it no, as a graphic novel? I read it as a graphic novel, collected. Uh, and, uh, you know, you know that I prefer animals to humans. And so this one really upset me. (laughs) Oh my God. It is upsetting, isn't it? Of course. So I I think Grant Morrison has even said that when he was writing it, he was crying and you go, yeah, of course you were. I don't even know how Frank quietly drew it. Yeah, yeah, and it seems to me like a great metaphor for just the general um, human exploitation of animals uh, yeah. in general, and uh, the the devastation that we've wrought on our uh, on our fellow sentient beings. Yeah, and I don't know how to square that. Increasingly, the older I get, I increasingly don't know how to square that. Right, um, you know, and, and you know, I haven't eaten meat for a very long time. Uh, but it even feels like that's not enough. <laughs> right, right, yeah. The uh, is there anything in particular that stands out for you with the uh, with the graphic novel? I know that's a really broad question, but yeah, uh, is it like what is it that? Because uh, I know you love it. Yeah, and I wonder what. Well, to I'm, do. I'm 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 always I've always um, ever since I was a little kid. One of my first memories uh, of being very very young was watching ants. Um, uh, filing out, and I remember seeing the uh, the big-headed ones. Uh, anytime uh, a worker would kind of deviate out of the path, the soldiers would come in and like headbutt them back into line. Right. And I remember being very young and having this epiphany of like, oh, they are sentient. Right. They are. They have an experience of life that. I can observe, but I cannot even like. It, I think there's an, a, a, phil- a philosophical essay. You know, what is it like to be a bat? You know, and we can never know because all we can do is imagine from a human perspective. Right. Uh, you know, to try and imagine it, but really you can't. Or you know, like a catfish who uh, is blind and perceives the world primarily through taste. Their entire body is covered in taste buds, and so yes. they navigate the world through taste. Like, what is that even like? Um, and so there's parts in We Three where the panels break down. Um, like I'm looking now at the K 
cat who's uh, I don't oh God, how do you even explain that? How do yeah, you even describe so, it? So essentially, with a comic book, the and we've already discussed this in the review, the. A comic normally has the panels in a two-dimensional way on the page. But because Morrison was talking about how animals perceive time at a slower rate, what he does is he he and Quietly, they flip the panels so they're on an angle. Yeah. And but the cat is still moving through the panels. Yes. And it gives it this weird 3D effect, but also (laughs) gives you their interpretation of how an animal might perceive time. Yeah, that's right. It's it's almost like the humans have frozen in the moment, but the cat is moving yes. through. Uh, yeah, and so I love that visual representation of animal consciousness because yeah. that's something I've always been completely um, transfixed by, um, trying to get into the mind of animals. Um, and, you know, I used to be a dog trainer. Yes. And um, a big part for me, a big revelation for me in that was uh, realising it is a lot easier to try and uh, learn how to speak dog than get the dog to learn how to speak human. Right. Um, and the amazing moment where you are connecting with an animal in its language, for, to the best approximation, yes. obviously, you don't know what it is to be a dog. Um, uh, I, I had a similar thing when I was working at the zoo. Uh, I um, I was um, I worked in the um, backyard to bush section, so I was with a lot of farmyard animals and native animals, and uh, one, day I, <laughs> one day I had to clean a goat pen. I was, hanging out with goats is great fun. Uh, but I went into, there was a male goat who was on heat, who was separated out from every, all the others. And I had to go in to uh, clean it shit up. And every time I would turn my back on the goat, it would rear up on its hind legs and headbutt me. Right. And I kept kind of fapping it away. I go, fuck off, man. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm cleaning up your shit. I'm not here to compete for you goat women. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> but of course, it can't understand what I'm saying. So I'm like, fuck, like, how do I engage with you in a way that you understand yeah and so i ended up getting down on my knees and i put one hand i wrapped a hand around each of its horns to simulate as though i had horns right and started wrestling with it right you know and in the end defeated it in combat and it understood that and it was like oh okay you're the superior male in this situation and it fucked off yeah and it was a real again a revelation of like that you know it's easier for me to learn how to talk goat than yes. for the goat to understand, I'm here to clean up your shit. I'm yes. not challenging you. All right, fine. I'll get down on all fours and I'll challenge you and I'll beat you in combat and then you'll understand to leave me alone. And it was um, hugely fascinating to me. I'm yeah. very, very interested in all of that. Oh, uh, my God. Like, yeah. Well, A, I'm so glad that you won because I don't know where you'd be at if the goat had kicked your ass. And two, it, that see, it turns out doing open mic with lots of young male comedians isn't... <laughs> Uh, a bad thing because it gives you a training to be able to talk to goats. The, it's uh, it's fascinating the way through the art, and I feel like this is one of the perfect comics. Yeah, the yeah, the marriage is. of art and words. Yeah, how the dog and the cat and the rabbit. Yeah, all have extremely rudimentary dialogue. Yeah, language. Yeah, but they all feel unique. Like they have <laughs> they have three unique characters. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that is. Unbelievable, yeah, isn't it? As, as I because it's, it's been a couple of years since I've read it, but as I recall, the dog has you know that kind of empathy and compassion, whereas the cat is quite standoffish and cynical, yes. right? And the rabbit is sort of uh, uh, kind of goes a little bit with the flow, yeah. but is also 
a little bit more impetuous. Yes, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and and you do see. I mean, you know, I know, I, 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 I know that humans will want to anthropomorphize and project their own emotions on, um, on creatures. But I actually, I, I really believe that, um, uh, that when we anthropomorphize, it's not that at all. We are actually identifying baseline emotions that exist in all life. Right. Uh, and I think joy, grief. Uh, probably even embarrassment are fundamental things that exist across the spectrum. And that's not to say that a bee feels shame. Um, but, you know, I, I watched a thing the other day. You know, Do you know Tardigrades? The oh, little yes. microscopic life? Yeah, do you want to just explain that? Uh, so for... Tardigrades are microscopic uh, life. They're called water bears. Everyone should look them up. They're fascinating. They oh, can... They... They... They look like something that's been stung by a bee. They're kind of puffy. And yeah, and they've got like little hands, yeah. uh, like six, six, um, I guess, rudimentary legs with little four-fingered hands at the end yeah. of it. And uh, they're fascinating. They've, they're, they're one of the only species that have ex- uh, survived all five mass extinctions. So they've yeah. been around for as long as anything. Uh, they can survive in the vacuum of space. They can survive in radioactive waste, in lava. Well, didn't didn't a an, either a Chinese or an Indian uh, probe crash on the moon with a whole bunch of them yeah. last year? And they're probably up there. Yeah, they're fine. They're they, fine. They, they, they survived. They're probably um, wrapped. <laughs> oh, thank goodness we're up here. <laughs> but recently, they've um, they've they've found these things cuddle each other. Right. Oh, really? They 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 come together and they i mean who knows maybe it's just i mean we don't know but right. for all intents and purposes they're stroking each other and right. hugging each other and comforting the, yeah comforting each other and the and the and the general thinking is you know that this need for connection or this need for warmth is universal amongst all life mm. uh and so back to that thing i was saying about anthropomorphization um because it seems to be an argument against the empath- empathy for animals of like, oh, you can't say that a dog feels love. You know, that's just you projecting. No, I'm pretty sure I can say that it right. feels love. Right. I'm pretty sure I can. Yes. Because um, I think that these are, um, you know, survival mechanisms and, and, and things that have evolved through throughout the beginnings of all life. And we have language and maybe it's more complex with us or whatever. But, you know, when you watch a documentary of... Um, uh, you know, a, a blue whale whose calf gets eaten by a bunch of killer whales. Uh, you can't tell me that blue whale's not feeling the equivalent of grief. Right. It is, you know. Um, yeah. You know, you, when, when you stamp a cockroach, it runs for its life. Right. It I, 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 and maybe it is just a mechanical thing of survival, but, you know, I think fear is probably built into it. Right. If, uh, you know, and um, all these things. So... Sorry, we're off topic from no, week no, no, three, but that's but, but that's exactly what the the graphic novel taps into yeah. beautifully. And the, the part of the thing that uh, I need help answering is who do you recommend this graphic novel to? Because I think it's brilliant, mm. but it is confronting. Yeah. I think it's also at times darkly hilarious yeah. and also optimistic. Yeah, and like if someone's listening and they're thinking you, because you work with children. Mm. We grew up on things like Wuthering Heights and uh, <laughs> not Wuthering Heights, uh, Watership Down and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Where the wind blows. Where the, oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ, you know. So, w- what age group, if, if someone wanted to give something that was a comic to uh, a, a younger person, what age group would well, you I could have dealt with at? that when I was 12. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And yep. I think kids these days, you know, uh, we, you know, you and I and people around our age grew up uh, with the kind of background noise of knowing the devastation that's being wrought on the environment and on animal life and all this stuff. But it was always kind of humming in the background. Right. Now it's right there. You can't watch a modern BBC nature documentary without at least half of it being dedicated to see this animal that you just fell in love with. Well, here it is being absolutely decimated. Like yes. it's all baked into it now. It's yes. there in the, at the fore. Uh, and I do believe um, I don't necessarily, I know that everyone's talks about, you know, Oh, you have to protect kids from all this kind of stuff. I don't know if that's the case anymore. No, I think it's, uh, we're not the ones that are going to save the world. It's not our world anymore. And we're not even old. No. Uh, I do think that kids um, need to be made aware of stuff, not to the point of utter despair and and, and nightmares and all the rest. But no. um, but this this does create a conversation because it is, in many ways, it's very... I read that Morrison said that they kind of copped a bit of criticism for it being graphic, but it is, it's a very graphic hmm. uh, world. And I think there is... Like, it's hugely entertaining mm. for something that's, what is it, like 66 pages? Yeah. And I think it's a, a conversation starter as well. Yeah, and, you know, this 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 idea that, you know, that we can't get away from the horror that we, that we you know... It, it, I mean, it's not... This isn't to take it away from any kind of, like, human-based genocide that's that's been enacted throughout the history of humankind. But what we've done to life on this planet is a horror beyond horrors. Yeah. Uh, and to shy away from it is to deny that, to deny it and is to perpetuate it. Right. Uh, and so we must confront it. We must look at what we've done. And this isn't even a thing about vegetarianism or anything. This is no. just generally what, you know, um, you know, you chop down an old growth forest tree. I mean, God, that's like destroying a, a galaxy. Right. <laughs> what it's, you know, uh, more and more they're talking about, you know, the mycelium under the under the forest floor, the, the fungal network that connects all trees and how trees are rerouting nutrients from one to the other. I mean, this is, this is uh, you know, and, and we're just running through it like children kicking down sandcastles, yeah. not even understanding the depth of feeling that other life forms have. Right. Uh, you know, I don't think you need to be um, a hippy-dippy new age person to really understand that life is all in all connected. of its forms is connected yeah. and feels. And, you know, I mean, God, I, we've all seen, uh, uh, you know, a, a baby bird fall out of a nest and right. the distress that those birds feel. And you could say, oh, it's just, you know, it's just the, 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 the life form realizing that it's not going to pass its genes on. Yeah, but it's also but it's still screaming. Yeah, and I think And I don't think it's a mechanical screaming. I think that there is a feeling behind that screaming. But you, you could say that about us. Of course. You know. Of course. Oh no, I'm not going to be able to procreate. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But guess what? I'm still freaking the fuck out. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. and the emotion is still real. The, yeah. the, the the brain is still being flooded with all of those uh chemicals and hormones that cause that grief. So is the grief less real because mm. we can't we don't know what it's like to be an elephant or whatever right. you know i mean speaking of elephants they you know they revisit the bones of their dead relatives right. year after year after year right you cannot tell me that that is just some kind of clockwork 
being. Yeah. No, they cry tears. They yeah. go back and they touch the, they stroke the bones with their trunks. You know, um, it's this very human centric thing to think that we are the only ones that feel right. depth of emotion because we make great art and all this stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm very done with that argument of you know. Humans are the best. I mean, when has a seagull ever created a symphony? Cool. When has a seagull ever fucking polluted every molecule of the air with plastic? Right. Didn't. So I don't like. Yes, it's we a bad do, argument. It's a shitty argument. We yeah. do great things, but we've also wrought great devastation. Yeah. Unlike any other animal, and um, you know, we are the only animal that has not found a great equilibrium with life and the earth. And I think it is about time that we uh, started to extend a level of empathy to the rest of life that we extend, well, that some of us extend to other humans. Yeah. Um, well, that's a, that's a fascinating moment in the graphic novel where the general kind of turns on these uh, on these creatures when he realises they can talk and he's freaked out by it. Yeah. Oh, wh- why'd you teach that? Why'd, you, why'd that happen? Yeah. And that's, so that's the moment? That's yeah. the moment when you decide you need to shut this down? What yeah. does that say? Yeah, it's um, yeah. I I I I I find it almost psychotic that people are unable to, and and I guess that's a survival mechanism that for humans to be unable to extend their empathy to other creatures because how could we do what we do? Right. Uh, but you know, it's um the mindlessness of what we do to animals is uh, I I can't reckon with it. In the end, that's you know what 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 turned me off meat was. I mean, it was it was a, it was obviously a compound. Uh, th- everything compounded on top of one another. But what finally did it for me? I was sitting in a food court just watching this fucking pig eating drumsticks. Right. <laughs> oh god, you're not even like it's not even occurring to you that this thing was alive. Was alive at one point. Yeah. And not just was it alive, it it had an emotional spectrum and it yeah. had uh, its own needs and its own you know, desires and sure it's, uh, it was, it's programmed into it through genetics and all the rest, but I don't know that it's that much different from us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we three is a great, um, a great document kind of making that argument for people. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And one last, uh, question. Cause I, I did promise you I'd keep you quickly and we, <laughs> we banged on a bit, uh, in a good way. The where would you rate this with the Morrison quietly oeuvre? Oh, like All Star Superman. Yeah, it's, we it's, three it's absolutely top three. Oh man, it's so good, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I, I always, I, I remember there was a point where I think they were going to make it into a movie, and it's like it'd be too much. It'd I couldn't be too do much. it. I couldn't do it. I would, I would like. If Christopher Nolan said he was going to make an animated film and you knew that he had complete artistic uh, control over it and he made that exact movie and somehow managed to animate Frank Quitely's style of artwork, yeah. I, like, I would go heaps, but I would be... I, it would age me. Like, I'd go... It would be a bummer. Oh, I'd be so... But I almost think you would have to invent new forms of visual language for the screen right you know i to 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 simulate that uh those visuals that we were just talking about uh i think that you would have to i don't know how you could even do it um you know uh, to to go off topic for a second i think that was one of the failings of the watchman film one of the many failings but um one of the was that they never really simulated that idea of dr manhattan existing in all times at 
right. once. Right. They didn't visually do that the way they do in the comic. Yes. You know? And I almost felt like y- you could. You'd, well, they did it with very... the TV series. Yeah. With conversations coming back and forth. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but because it was so rudimentary. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm almost glad that it doesn't exist as a movie because I know that I would have to watch it and I know what it would do to me psychologically. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, like, we've just... No, I just, and, 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 I'm not up for it. Oh, dude, and like I'm. I was crying know, reading the comic again. Yeah, and and I'm I'm increasingly uh, uh, I uh, I'm having a hard time at the moment with all the environment stuff and all the animal yeah. stuff. I'm I'm crying most days, uh, um, and uh, yeah, I maybe don't need an extra thing on top of that. Right, <laughs> like but, I feel it enough. But I'm glad it exists, and and because yes. I think people need to people need to feel this. Yeah, they do need to, and there is joy in this as well. Yeah. and there's moments of. Uh, there's moments of catharsis and there are also like some of the most thrilling moments like that moment where they're trying the the military are trying to get we three and one of them says where's the cat like where's the cat (laughs) because they are so fucking scared of the cat and then when you see the page with the cat yeah like that is that's wonderful like it comes just after a really sad moment and then that happens and it's it's like one of the rare times where you're reading something and you have a fist pump moment where you're like, fuck yeah. Yeah, cat, yeah, good. You are fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah good. Destroy them. Yeah. Fuck, fuck humans. <laughs> Let's just leave it there. <laughs> There's some of the off-the-cuff thoughts from Ben on We 3. As you can tell, he loved the graphic novel and so do I. And as we said, it can be confronting at times, but the work is so beautiful and it has so much heart. It is well worth the read. And keep the tissues handy when you read the words good dog in the broken way they speak you'll be reaching for them constantly and i don't want to say too much more i'd just rather you check out the graphic novel if you're a first-time comic book reader or a fan of the art form we three is a work of perfection and one of my all-time favorite graphic novels and well worth the read Time to bring in Alex J to chat about the movies that have taken her by surprise. The dude movies that have somehow found their way into her heart. (laughs) We were only going to have a quick chat. Seems like a common refrain on this podcast, but we had so much fun. This one really blew out. So let's stop mucking about. Let's bring Alex in now. She is one half of the podcast hosts of uh, The Ladies' Guide to Dude Cinema. It is the Alex J half, and the, the podcast is going really well. I, I, I've got a lot of friends who uh, listen to it all over Australia who what? find it such a relief. <gasps> That's so nice. Yeah, you've really, you've really come up with a good idea, and you've hit a market, uh, and specifically women, Quite that, specifically. But they are really into it. And sometimes right. it's even really interesting because sometimes some of your fans can be a little bit offended because they go, what do you mean that's a dude movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'd love you to explain for anyone who hasn't listened to your podcast, mm-hmm. what do you and Beck consider a dude film? Okay. So a dude film is is genreless. It's basically any movie that 
historically dudes have told us that we have to see that movie or have shamed us for never having seen that movie. So really any any movie that falls under that category is what we call dude cinema. Yep. But you can also – it's also genderless. You can definitely be dude cinema by – um, other genders apart from males, but it is overwhelmingly males who who just have their favorite movies. Yeah. And if you haven't seen them, you're crazy. Now I'm always confused by that. I'm always a little bit excited when mm-hmm. someone hasn't seen a movie that I love, okay, or a TV show that I love. See, Be- that's that's a nice attitude to have then. Yeah, it's different because I think in your future you get to watch that movie or that TV and I'm show for the that first you get time to watch it for the first time. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yep. It's like, did you find yourself, and I wonder if part of the origin story of this podcast, did you often find yourself apologising? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, and, and actually feeling shame for not, right. it's the, like, or like oh, I, I actually haven't seen Star Wars. You haven't fucking seen Star Wars? <laughs> and it's like, I'm so sorry. I'm, you're right. I'm a lesser of a person in the world. Like, I don't have the same life experiences. I'll just go crawl into a hole. Like, it's that kind of, real, like, actual shame. And I just got like, just so sick of it. Because I'm not a film person at all. I never really have been. Like, I like the movies that I like. But... I was never like going to the cinema to see all the new releases or anything. So I already had like a chip on my shoulder about that kind of stuff. And then when, yeah, and then to get like shamed for it, it's just like I really internalised that. It is very much a a young person thing. By the way, just as an aside, I think I've only ever had that reaction about someone not seeing Star Wars once. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even a big Star Wars fan, but it was Limo. And the the only reason I was in shock is like Limo and I are two years apart in age. And and that was more a case of... How were you a kid? How did you happen to miss it? Yeah. And there, there were only... Seven movies when right. we were a kid. Yeah. <laughs> How did <laughs> you miss one of them? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and it is, it does feel, what, what do you think? Before I give you my opinion, what do you think is the reason people react that way? When you say in the past, I haven't seen something and they think you're insane for not seeing it. What, why yeah. do you think they react that way? I think it's just like people like have favorite things mm. and they be like myself included and you become like so obsessive about your favorite things. Mm. I think it does come from a place of like, I just want to share that and I mm. want you to, to experience it as well. But sometimes it can come across like just so aggressive because it's not just the shaming as well. It's the, you have to see this movie. Um, even though I'm not in any way taking into account what kind of movies you like, if I think you'd even like it, it's like that you have to see it. And then like little stubborn girl in me is like, well, maybe I don't want to see it, you know, (laughs) but I think it just, I think it does deep down come from a place of, I love this thing and I want you to experience it. Yes. By the way, for everyone listening, uh, Alex's head actually moves side to side <laughs> when she even said that line. Hands on hips. Which looked great. I don't want to. The, I, it's so funny. I've hit a point in life, probably actually quite a while ago, where I'm fine. Like, I don't particularly want people being into the stuff mm, that right. I'm into if they, if, if they don't want to be into it. All, all I ever really want is artists that I like to be successful enough to be able to keep making what they want to make. Cool. Mm-hmm. But I, I, to be honest, you know, like I was a fan of Bowie in the 90s mm-hmm. and Bowie was considered 
dad music and then when he was doing right. stuff, you know, when he was touring and, uh, you know, playing with hip-hop, uh, with, uh, not hip-hop, but uh, kind of beats in, in his rock music, they were going, people were a bit embarrassed by him. And then yeah. it flipped in 2000. But I have to say, I really love the 90s because I just got to enjoy that was it. for you. With yeah. me. I was really but into yeah, it. And I didn't nice. have to worry about people coming in and saying, why is you not playing China Girl? Right, so, right. and I feel that way a little bit about, like, I lament the, the massive amount of fans of Nolan movies okay. because it's a little bit like, ah. Uh, that was mine. That, you know, like, I'm glad that he's, like, lots of people are going to see his films, sure. but I don't, like, so yeah. sometimes you even don't you even find when you're talking about something someone will say I like that as well and you go what do you like about it and they tell you and you think Jesus like that's why you like it that's not why I like it you're doing it wrong you're liking it wrong <laughs> you're you're liking it incorrectly for me and I can't have this conversation <laughs> yeah, anymore yeah that's uh that's interesting and, and I'm guessing was there a particular movie or was there a particular moment that made you go we need to do a podcast yes yeah. yes we have we act, we have an origin story like it's Great. so visceral in our minds um so bitten by a radioactive 20 something year old exactly. male comedian <laughs> And then we became a, 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 a podcast. huge monster podcast determined to rid the world of this injustice. Um, we like we were hanging out one night at my place and we were having like wines and cheese, which is our historically our want to do. And I was dating a guy at the time whose favorite movie was Lord of the Rings. And we like it was very early on. We'd only been dating like a couple of weeks. And I was just saying to Beck, like, he loves Lord of the Rings and I I told him that I haven't seen it and he looked genuinely disappointed. Like, well, what are we meant to kind of like connect on kind of thing? And I just felt so bad about it. But then I was like, but I shouldn't feel bad about it. It's just a movie. And yeah. and I was just telling her about that. And she's like, that has happened to me so many times because she hasn't seen a lot of movies either or like the historically like amazing movies and then we just got drunker and drunker and we we're like we should make a podcast about it and yeah. that's literally how it happened yeah because of lord of the rings lord of the rings like yeah. that's a pretty like i once again i know that's a big hit but mm. that is also niche it's so niche it's so because like i don't like fantasy films like i just never for anything off tv like anything fantasy doesn't so, interest me so have you watched them we have we I, we watched the first one. We oh. did it for the for the podcast. Like that is hard going if that is it's, not your genre. No, it, yeah, and it wasn't. And I mean, a lot of these movies have been hard going because <laughs> they're not my genre. <laughs> but that, especially because of the length, it's so long, it's rude. And so, yeah. So then, like, and then I could see the disappointment in his eyes because I could see him be like, "Well, if you don't like Lord of the Rings." Or if you haven't seen Lord of the Rings, there's so many other movies that then branch off that that we probably have no connection over as well. And some people like really internalize what films they like as like their personality and stuff too, which yes. I totally get. Yes, like I lo I'm like that with comedy. Like if I was to date someone who's like I'm not really I don't really care for stand up, I'd be like, well, that's fucking weird. So right, we're not going to connect. But yeah, so. but but there's a difference between someone not being into what you're into mm. which is fine but mm. you don't want to be with someone who's not into what you're into who then 
blocks you from enjoying it yeah, or exactly. ridiculing you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the difference. That's true. I took a friend to see Tenet. Sorry to everyone in Melbourne. Seen it a few times. Uh-huh. And, uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, soon, Melbourne. soon. Soon, soon. Uh, sorry, the reason I was giggling is I have, I've had so many people from Melbourne write to me say, don't you fucking ruin the film? And it's uh, like, I love movies. Why would I want to ruin the experience right. for you? I respect Why it. have you followed me? For 10 plus years and think that I am going to do anything this that ruins time. your experience. Like <laughs> for the first time. I am the guy you can movie. trust. Yeah. You're going to do it to Melbourne who's in lockdown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Reed Parker. I love Reed. Anyway, oh, Reed. Yeah, I do love Reed. He's but great. I had to write some Reed. Come on, man. Trust me. It's, uh, it's me. Yeah. We've been pals a long time. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, and But yeah, if someone's trying to block you from enjoying it. And so I took a friend to see mm. Tenet. And when the movie finished... And I really enjoyed Tenet. I think Tenet is very much a movie that it has all the things that I'm into, but I can completely understand why someone might not be into it. Right. Completely get it. Mm. And I turned around to my friend and the first thing she said was, that didn't need to be three hours and it wasn't. And I knew that. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, well, right. you know what this movie is? This is my movie and I'll just go by myself from yeah. now on. Yeah. And that's okay. And that's okay. It doesn't ruin a friendship. Yeah. And you, you know think what? less of her because of it. Yeah. And you know what we did? We talked about heaps of other things that was not the movie. What? There's other things? Yeah. Right? <laughs> that's what you got to do. You got to have more interest. Yeah. Do you, before we, so I, I have you on for a specific reason, but mm. before we get to that, mm. do you have a theory as to, and I've, I've thought about this as well, and I'm curious to know what you think. Do you have a theory as to why people seem to be more so than ever offended when someone doesn't like the stuff they're into, like Lord of the Rings. I don't know. I think it. It. I hadn't thought about it, but it would. It's definitely like partly an age thing that you mentioned before. Yep. Surely, I think surely, like as we get older, people are just more settled into like, well, I like what I like, and if someone else doesn't like that, that's fine. Yeah. But I think growing up, like yeah, in your twenties and stuff. You, you do kind of slightly start to define yourself by what you like. Yeah. Because um, you're discovering who you are. Yeah. As famously said by John Cusack's character in High Fidelity, it's not what you're like, it's what you like. Yeah. <sighs> that was a movie, that was a struggle for you, right? Oh, that's our, that's our, that's our enemy, that movie. Right. Like, because he is that guy. It's yes. about, he's doing it about music. But yes. John Cusack's character in High Fidelity is the dude that we're – that we're pushing back against. He's awful. He's like, he's like, I am defined by my music taste. Yes. If you don't like it, you're a lesser person, yes. essentially. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it is just the offense comes from. I don't know. Not not everyone's like it though. I think the people who do get offended are just like a bit narrow-minded. Yeah, and. Just maybe there's a bit of low self-esteem so, yeah, because like they do define themselves by, by that things. stuff. So it's like, what else are we going to talk about, kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I yeah. almost feel relieved. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but nice. it's. Uh, I also wonder. By the way, I I enjoy the movie High Fidelity a lot, but mm-hmm. I but and I, I don't begrudge you that. No, 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 no. I didn't think so. Good. But uh, what I'm saying is that. I like everything you don't like about the movie mm. to me is completely correct. Right. But that's kind of what I enjoy about it mm-hmm. because I I feel like when I watch that film, I'm running parallel alongside that guy and gotcha. you can go, oh, yeah, I've seen that happen before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, Relating when he that. rings that, 
you know, rings one of his exes and she doesn't even really remember and he's and she's really upset and he's relieved by it. Yeah. I find that to be a highly funny moment because he's awful. Yeah. But I also understand where you would watch that and go, he's awful, why am I watching this fucking movie? Yeah. And well, it's all about life experiences yeah. and stuff too. Like I 100% watching that movie, I was drawing on be, like dating guys like oh, him yes. or being like shamed by guys like him because I'm the same about music as well. Like I could easily make a ladies guide to do music podcast because yeah. I'm so intimidated by music because I've, I'm just not cool and I only like have three artists that I like and anything outside of that I'm terrified of yeah. having to talk about it or pretend I've si- listened and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's definitely like life experience. Like watching that movie, I was just like, I've been and there so many times. Yeah, I feel like the first time I saw that film at the cinema, I was like, oh, that guy. Yeah. It was like the first time I'd seen that guy. Also, first right. time I'd really seen Jack Black. So when he sang really mm. well at the end, it was actually oh, Jack Black. a great way to leave the cinema because you were like, holy shit, that guy can sing. Yeah, he he's uh, I love he's the saving grace of that movie for me, Jack yes. Black. He was, I he like was his, a I like his, delight. I like his quiet offsider as well. That I can never yeah. remember his name who ends up yeah, dating yeah, Darlene right. from Roseanne. Cause, yeah. Because you go, so, so part of, so that my theory skipping out of mm. that is, also, a lot of a lot of dorky things mm. are now incredibly mainstream. Yeah, and like I constantly sit in Marvel movies flabbergasted mm. that I am in a packed cinema back right. in the day pre-COVID, yeah. Yeah. watching a film where people are right across who the fuck Rocket Raccoon is. Okay, and how's that? Is that nice? Well, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Well, I don't know. Well, yeah. I do know. I think it's destroyed the art form of comics Has because it... it's made things every everything's really mainstream and what it it's used not to special be special anymore. Well, not in a not as in a ownership kind of way. Okay. But because it was an art form that wasn't respected, mm. it had people just doing crazy shit in them. Oh, the like outrageous ideas and right. th- they were, you know, they were exploring, not like, there's a lot of light movies and music. There's yeah. a lot of mainstream shit. But there was a certain section of the comic book world that was exploring high emotion. And, like, I was reading about science concepts that are now mainstream, like black holes and uh, the theoretical science behind multiverses. Mm-hmm. As a kid, I grew up with all of that. The idea that time could be perceived from a higher dimension so you would look down into a three-dimensional world from a five-dimensional space and it would look like us looking down at a comic and mm-hmm. you could flip back and forth between it. That was all from reading comics and mm-hmm. then they became mainstream and now it's like all of those really cool ideas to be made into a movie that the general public like yeah. get squeezed down yeah. and take that interesting right. bit out, take that bit out, take that bit out and we'll throw you some humour in. And I'm not even saying they're bad movies and I'm not saying that I don't enjoy them, but I do sit there and I go, oh, this is almost like I can recognise it, but it's not what I enjoyed. And then It's like less authentic? It's just less interesting. Right. Oh, right. You know, it's yeah. like, and, uh, and as soon as... As soon as something becomes accepted by the mainstream, invariably, from my opinion, it blands out. Yeah, that's. I'm I, sure that happens. Yeah, with 
everything. All art, yeah. All art. And so the thing that, like, I would never let people know as a teenager that I read comics. Wow. Like, no way. How different. Absolutely. Like, oh. there's no way I'm telling a girl that I read comics. Yeah. I, I used to play basketball and I found out years later that when we were in the finals and the games were really tight, this is under 16s, and I was to kind of just centre myself, I would just kind of take five minutes and sit down in an area and I would read like a Stephen King novel. Mm. And uh, there was a rumour at my club that I was gay because I was reading. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, do you think I'm about to say... This uh, this just, comic's if I could really just good. Add to that, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that was going on. Wow! Do you know what I mean? Because you're reading. I know. Look uh, out! We got a reader. You know. <laughs> sorry, boys are the worst sometimes. Uh, yeah, it was. Hey, it was the girls as well oh, at the club. No. Yeah, people oh, are terrible. Lord. But people. But so to see it diluted and mainstream, and these dorky things like Lord of the Rings, mm. you know, like technically brilliant books, but. It's got fucking hobbits in it. Right. It's dorky. Yeah, and, well, pre-movies, I imagine it was very, like, you have to read it in secret in an underground lair that you've yeah. built for yourself. And now it's out in the open, and I think there's this weird, mm. hang on, that was our stuff that helped define me that I couldn't share with people, only with a select kind of subculture, mm. and now it's the culture, and I think there's this weird, yeah. I think there's this weird confluence of events where all this stuff has taken on more importance and resonance than it probably should have. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, and definitely. I think And I think you've come along just at the right time to cop all of the shit of it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. <laughs> like, earlier you said, like, uh, mainly female audience, but I looked at our, like... Insights, whatever you call what do you stats, oh, stats sorry. what do you call I, them? I, I don't mean that your audience, I was so just saying my friends. From your that, experience. Yeah. yeah, and we really thought that would be the case. Like yeah. we really thought that we'd be like 90% female list, or female identifying listenership um, and dudes would just be like, fuck that off. Like we don't want to hear two oh. chicks make fun of our favourite movies. But we're actually 60, 40 male listeners yeah, great. to 40 female. and overwhelmingly the the feedback like online like messages and stuff that we get are from dudes who they're like we i was doing this i did make my partner watch my favorite yeah. movie and they're like i don't know it's like a masochistic thing they just love hearing us like it's good talk about their favorite movies even if we don't like them yeah um but i think what it is is like because our kind of concept is like two-pronged it's like we are fighting against being shamed for not seeing movies yes. but then we also want to promote that if you do see a movie and that historically everyone reveres, but you don't like it, like that's okay too. You're allowed to not like things. Yeah. And the flip side, right? Yeah. You're allowed to like the movie that everyone really isn't into. Absolutely. So that's what we're kind of coming at it. Like a lot of these movies we're watching for the first time, even though they were made 30 years ago and stuff. And so we're like, this is what a first watch take on this movie is like. Like if you can... Everyone can just forget the 30 years of adulation they've had for this movie and think about what someone in 2020 would think about it on a first watch. We're kind of hopefully bringing that yeah. aspect to it. Yeah, that's yeah. a good idea. And is it is there something like something can be flawed and you can still love it? Yeah, totally. And it, it's of course. I, I was talking about this. Ben Elwood and I recorded a podcast that's coming out soon, so I won't preempt this too much. But I was saying to him. Like The Godfather, one of the greatest movies mm-hmm. of all time. And there is literally a scene where someone takes a swing at someone else 
and it's a punch and the guy reacts like he's being punched and when you watch it, he misses by about three or four metres. Okay. <laughs> and Great. so, but We haven't done The Godfather yet. Yeah, that, that's not devaluing them. Like the movie's no. still brilliant. Yeah, to- it's still yes, a work yes, of art. Yes. But that happens yeah. and that's a flaw. Yeah. And you know what you do? Yeah, that's all right. That's fine. Yeah. Because the movie's good. And you can you can just love things with flaws. And yeah. so sometimes, don't don't say anything bad about this film. Uh, that that was me with uh, my friend and tenant. Right. At the end of it, when she said that, I was like, ah, oh, you've helped define why I love this, and I can see why someone might not. So, and that's, I get and that. And they're both valid opinions. Yep. Yep. Let's go and get a bottle of wine and talk about everything else Something in the world. Something other than tenant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I invited you on to the podcast, uh, A, not just to catch up, because mm. uh, it's been good because we got to do a gig together recently we and did. that was fun. That was fun. But I was really curious about, I, I started to ask you this question and I thought, oh no, this is, this is good podcast okay, stuff. Okay, cool. What are the movies that you went into thinking that, they might be a bit shit mm-hmm. and then you've come out of it because dudes have banged on about them yeah. and then you've come out of it and gone, oh, that was actually <laughs> really good and I yeah. really enjoyed it. Um, yes, I definitely – a lot, actually. I, yeah. Su- uh, surprisingly, more than I anticipated. Right. I'll, I'll come out of a movie being like, I actually quite liked that. That's a nice surprise. Yeah, it's really nice because I don't, I don't like fantasy and I don't also like action movies, which are the two like big ones. And so – I've surprisingly liked some of our action movies that we've watched. Right. Um, most should we should I should I start? Yeah. So you have six movies, I, and do you? Do you I have only them wanted in a list? to come up with three, but I was going through our list, and I'm like, oh, that one too, and oh, that one too. No, don't don't apologize for bringing more content to the mm. table. So do you have them uh, before we get into them? Do you have them in a ranking? Or, yes. Okay. Do you want to? So let's start. Let's start at number six. Okay. Does that good. sound good? Yes. Yeah. Number six, Goodfellas. Oh, okay. So what what were you thinking going in? I thought it was – I knew it was a gangster movie and yep. I just thought it was just going to be like pew, 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 you know, <laughs> uh, just lots of gross dudes being gross and lots of death and noisy. I thought it was going to be really noisy. Right. And I don't like noise. Right. Um, but it was so much more than that. Right. Well, but it's also that. It is that, <laughs> but there's so much other stuff as well to to blanket that. That's funny. So, yeah. uh, so before we, so what had been said to you? Just, uh, I think it's also because ever like Goodfellas is so huge and yeah. so revered, and I had managed to go my life without watching it. That I think just naturally, I and others might feel do the same. Like, kind of actually like retreat from mm. it and. I've I'd built with most of these movies like built up what I thought the movie was even if no one had told me what it was I built up what I thought it was because everyone loved it so much and I was yeah yeah retreating from that so I really just thought it was just a gross gangster movie that had no storyline and was just dudes shooting each other right and it's re- but it, it, it's I had no idea about I didn't even know De Niro was in it, you know, and I right. and I also realized I haven't. So when we're starting this podcast, I I only know De Niro from his like Meet the Parents and stuff, <laughs> like because all of his 
all of his older movies are the movies I don't watch. Of course. So it's been really nice to go back and watch his, like, I didn't like Taxi Driver, but I liked him in Taxi Driver. Oh, well, you know, you like know. like Taxi Driver is in many ways, of course you wouldn't like that because it's in many ways it's like John Cusack in yeah. High Fidelity. Yes. Like the, it's, it's he, you know that guy uh, and he yeah. is gross and yeah. he is awful. I'm putting myself in the situations. My mum struggles with a lot of Scorsese films and doesn't like Goodfellas because she thinks everyone in them is so awful. And right. so... That's hard when yeah. every character sucks and there's no redeeming qualities. Yeah. But I think that's why I liked Goodfellas because there was, I don't know, there was a bit of sweetness and a bit of heart at was times. It? Like mm, friendship wise. Like, yeah. And then... Like so, De Niro in Goodfellas. My God, when he cries, when um, uh, when Paulie, what's his name? Uh, yeah, uh, what's his name gets killed. <gasps> yeah. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. For like seeing a man emote, oh my God. Like, so it's been really fun to go back and watch him in his, what he became famous for roles, right. like his dramatic acting and he's. Turns out he's really good at it. <laughs> Two thumbs up. Really proud of him. You will, if you are retrospectively enjoying De Niro, mm. Mm. he's in The Godfather Part 2. Well, yeah. So and we're you doing, will be wrapped. I've heard that's a thing, right? That some people prefer two to one, is it? Oh, yeah. You, you know, uh, look, uh, you, you can have a preference uh, easily, but they're both... Yeah. Works of art. Right, right, cool. Oh, cool. All right. I thought he was in one. See, no, no, he's in he's in the second one, but okay. I won't tell you what he's doing. But okay. you will you will see young De Niro. See, he's so, really he's so young. handsome too. Right, which is not meet the parents, De Niro. No, what, comedy what? De Niro. That's all I've ever known. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> that is like that's um, that's really entertaining. Because it's like, and we've all done this, you, you see someone later in their career mm. and then you go, what, they were like... They had a whole other career before this. Like imagine, like Cher, like that's yeah, a woman right. who has had all these different, mm. like you kind of know Cher now as this uh, icon. Yeah. But then there was, there's this whole period of her in movies like uh, Moonstruck yeah. and, and Silkwood where she is... Phenomenal, yeah. but then you go right back, and there she is with Sunny and all this yeah. glamour, and there's very distinct careers. That's and if you true. came in at different points, you could be going, "What? Wait, huh? What?" Yeah. So, what did you enjoy about Goodfellas apart from, uh, uh, you know, the realizing that there was more to it? What What really stood out for you? Um, it was just 
cool again like i'm not a filmmaker or a film expert at yeah. all so i don't have a lot of the language i feel like i'm learning the language oh, around yeah. it a I, bit i don't, I don't want some, the language i just want to know what some, you like yeah okay yeah <laughs> there's no pressure here it's just it was just cool and it wasn't as much of a shoot 'em up movie as i thought it would be right and i love the accents and the writing of it i found very surprising like they wrote it like how people actually talk, yes. like rambly, they talk over each yes. other. It's not like line one, line two dialogue. It's just very, you can tell like most of it probably was improbbed or something. Like it was just very natural and I haven't seen that in a lot of movies. Yeah. It's very you know, much like one to one to two. Right, I know what others. you mean. Yeah, and so the scene that I'm specifically, as soon as you say that there's the scene with they go over to Joe Pesci's mum's for dinner. Ha- and you know that's Martin Scorsese's mum. That's Scorsese's mum. Right. So, and that feels like such a real moment, especially yes. when she holds up the picture and then they're all laughing because it looks like the guy they've got in the boot. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and it feels... It feels like that would real. like that was ad-libbed. And yeah. I don't know if it was, but I can't remember. But, like, I just really enjoyed that out of that movie and just like how they're so rambly and I think some guys on the phone I wrote it down because I can't remember but oh no I didn't (laughs) never mind but like he's on the phone and he's just like kind of talking over himself he's like what am I meant to do yeah and like that I just haven't seen that in a movie before that was very cool and did you enjoy uh, the music like I feel like the music is beautiful in it yeah and there's that beautiful scene where the camera follows <gasps> that the long shot. Yeah, the long shot scene. It's so good. Even isn't it? as a non-film person, when that happened, I was like, "That's yeah. cool." Yeah, it was just cool. Yeah, it just felt really cool watching it. Yeah, and then like talking in the accent after it and stuff. Yeah, I love a New York or a Boston accent. Yeah. like yeah. any East Coast. Ugh. Just stir the cannoli, Karen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I was very distressed by the Karen, like the. Husband-wife oh. storyline, like her oh. entire story. But it is. But it is but distressing. It, like It's meant to be. How did you... Like, what did you feel when she's recounting that time that he comes over and walks across the road and beats up that guy? Yeah. And she kind of admits she's to being like, turned, turned on, on by, by it. it. That was like... I don't know who wrote that, but I'm like, whoa, you're you're hitting, like, you getting in there. Well, it's, you know, it's a real story, so right. it's, yeah, you know. Yeah, probably that, was her experience. That, that was her experience, <gasps> you know. Oh, anyway, that's great. Uh, that's a good one to start I with. Love, number six, yeah. I can't wait. Okay, what's number five? Um, number five. Okay, so this is different. This is one, this is a movie I'd never heard of before mm-hmm. we did it, but we had um, some guests on um, Jackson Bailey and... Joel Zammett from Sands Pants Radio, which is our podcast network. Um, their favourite movie together is Swiss Army Man. Oh, right. I have not seen that. Have and it is um, uh, Young Fella from Harry Potter. Uh, yes. And um, Paul. Daniel Radcliffe. And then Paul. Hmm. I'll look it up. I know the. Can you. Um, Explain the movie for people who haven't seen it. Because I I know of it, of it, but I have not seen it. It's very bizarre. So it's very like indie kind of abstract yep. type film. Paul Dano. Paul Dano. And basically, like, I mean, I haven't watched it in like a year, but it's Paul Dano is like kind of get like gets washed up on a beach somewhere and yep. he's like destitute on an island and then a body washes up on shore which is 
Daniel Radcliffe and he thinks he's dead but then the body starts kind of like animating mostly around farting. Right. <laughs> so that in itself, like I don't like fart or toilet humour and stuff either. Yeah, so, but you are saying that like you're about to laugh. Yeah, but then it, <laughs> but for some reason a corpse doing it is funny. Right. <laughs> I don't right. know why. Yeah. But like when I was watching it, I was like, Really, I was like, Ugh, this is gross. What is this movie? But it's essentially about like friendship and mm-hmm. male friendship. And Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe's corpse character, he kind of starts coming to life. But, you know, it's just kind of all in Paul Dano's head. Yeah. Um, and they go on like a, an emotional journey together. But then it's also around the like framework of this corpse. Yep getting boners and like farting and stuff like it should be disgusting but I came away from it and I couldn't stop thinking about it for a really long time and I feel like that's a good a mark of a good movie like I yeah. just couldn't get out of my head I couldn't figure out if I liked it at first but now that I'm like a year away from it I'm like I, yeah I really liked that one I, I, I don't think that's a bad thing mm. I, I think sometimes it's good yeah. to be able to walk out of a movie and have a Really mm. hard think through it to to know how you feel. I had a I feel like isn't that what they're meant to do? Is like just to to evoke emotions and talking uh, and discussion and. Well, I agree a hundred percent with you, but I think a lot of people want to like something or not. Yeah, yeah, that was good. That yeah. was bad. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I don't think. Do you ever? I'm sure you would have ended up in these conversations where you're with a group of people and someone says, "Hey," and I'll just use any tv shows as examples it's like have have you seen mad men no but i have watched all of breaking bad oh you know what i've watched and everyone just says what they've watched mm. and you, you, whoa, 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 whoa. what do you think yeah so true yeah no but i watched it i want to yeah no but but what what do you think what do you like about it yeah and yeah. i think i think that's good like yeah you know the the latest tarantino film uh, it took me a week to work out how I felt about it what, once that? upon a time in Hollywood. Oh, it, yeah. It, it took me, like, mm-hmm. I was so confused by that experience mm. where I was kind of, I was enjoying it while I was watching it and it finished and I came out of it and I didn't know how I felt and I had to really think it through over the course of a week and then there was a particular scene that mm. stood out to me and mm. it made me realise. And what made me love it was this one scene that in hindsight made me realise that for the first time in 40 years, because I'd known uh, about that whole story because my mum was a fan. Oh, and okay. uh, So I'd known about oh, that cool. from a very young age. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time that uh, I thought about her not as a murder victim. Oh, I thought okay. of her as an actor on, on the way up. Interesting. Cool. But, yeah, but right. I had to think my way through it. And yep. That's okay. That's fine. Yeah. That's cool. And I like that you had to sort of sit there and you're going, yeah. Ah. Work it out. When, when, what was the thing that, wh- like, what made you click and go, oh, yeah, you know what? That I was good. Like that. It was hearing um, Joel and Jackson talk about it. Right. Because so, we had them on as guests. Um, and hearing their takes and why they were so excited about it. And I just love, and this is something we, we've learned through our journey with this podcast is like, I just love it when men emote mm-hmm. and when they can be vulnerable, mm-hmm. when they enjoy something that's not just death or sex or something like, and so seeing Joel and Jackson like um, actually 
enjoy it and say that they liked it because of the friendship aspects of it and they cried during it because it's like so it is an emotional movie despite how ridiculous the premise is and stuff so it was like hearing them talk about it was just so endearing and then it made me look at it as more than just a fart and boner movie (laughs) (laughs) i guess (laughs) okay there's something more to it than that yeah Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine who was a who is a cop uh, mm-hmm. w- early on in his training had to go and look at dead bodies and one of the bodies farted and they all scattered oh because they weren't expecting it. And then this <gasps> body, this dead body just went and they all leapt. And Holy the shit, person, that would have been so terrifying. The, the person who worked there was in hysterics because <laughs> it happens all the time. And, That's great. And it's always made me laugh and it's always made me think. Oh, That's very funny. Well, I, I guess I'll be wrapped if I'm still getting some laughs after yeah. I'm dead. <laughs> Your final laugh. Uh, I'll have to check that out. I've heard some good stuff about that film. And uh, Paul Dano always makes uh, interesting films. And I have such a soft spot for Daniel Radcliffe as as a young man. And and as not Harry Potter. Well, it's so funny because it's... Oh, sorry. What do you mean by that? Oh, like as in... Do you mean like you enjoy him... I, I just really enjoyed him watching him in not a Harry Potter role as well. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that a lot from him. I just look at... I think there's um, – so just as a sidebar, I think there is certain levels of fame that people are equipped to deal with. Mm-hmm. And whatever – like that fame could be the biggest actor in Hollywood or that fame could be the most popular person in their neighbourhood, right? right? Okay. So wh- whatever it is. Mm. And sometimes you hit that but then you can't – you shouldn't go higher because then you go – insane from the amount of Mm. and I think that's what happens to a lot of young child actors Mm -hmm. because they don't quite know who they are and they're getting all this attention like Mm -hmm. I've kind of like I've always had this weird empathy for Justin Bieber because I remember seeing footage of him 16 at a mall with grown women screaming over him and and it's like a that's weird for a young boy b if the genders were reversed, we would be Ooh. creeped out. Yeah, and, cops would be called. And I, and I think Daniel Radcliffe ends up in this pivotal role of a movie that's really important, mm. you know, with, for that, like, the, the millions of kids who started reading because of Harry Potter and mm. I just think he seems so lovely when you see interviews with him and I love that he... Play a role where he's got a boner and farting. Exactly, and I respect that. As a that. corpse, yeah, as a yeah. corpse. <laughs> I really, yeah, and I think that was really endearing too. Yeah, so like I already kind of trusted the movie because he was in it and yeah. he chose in this role, and yeah, yeah, yes. that's and I cool. Respect him absolutely. For it, for sure. All right, that's a good one. All uh, right. I'm glad that you brought up one that I haven't seen. I'm yeah. up for that. That that gets a. Uh, a rocket under my ass to finally go and check cool. that out. Uh, what's number four? Number four is Gladiator. Oh. I mean, it's... Going in, what were your thoughts? Yeah, thought it was just like, because my dad loves the movie. And again, like anything medieval, a period piece, I've never been interested. I just really like stuff that's like set now, in reality, could happen to me so I can relate kind of thing. Yes. Anything fantasy, over the top, or yeah, period pieces... Um, so really, I get really just thought it was just going to be lots of sword fights, lots of killing, literally just a gladiator battling and then he reigns supreme or something. But right. again, it was so much more than that. <laughs> <sighs> and, and what was your, so what's your Russell Crowe experience before you see Gladiator? None, None. really, actually. 
So what's your thoughts on Russell Crowe without having seen any of his movies before Gladiator? I just, um, I knew he was like a cool guy. I've kind of, he, I knew he, I always knew he existed, but mainly only, I guess, came into my consciousness in recent years, like how he's been like funny on Instagram and like. On John Oliver? what did you do in John Oliver? Oh, did you not see this? I'm sorry no. to interrupt you. I, no, th- I thought that's where you were going. I love him now. <laughs> well, he, John Oliver, so there was the last video store in Alaska or something like that. Okay. And they got online and they bought his leather thong from Gladiator that he wore. <laughs> and they bought a whole lot of his stuff and then put it in this oh, last shit. video store. But Russell found out about it and he, he got a... Uh, a koala clinic that helps them with their chlamydia and, and called it the John Oliver <laughs> thing. And Oliver, like, like Oliver loves it when something comes back like that. And he That's was great. He was laughing so hard and it was just such a great move. And it was like, See, like... He seems like a cool dude. Like, he seems like a good sport. See, that's funny because for a long time, he was that super serious actor who right. would be like looking down at other actors for doing a Vegemite ad. Right, like that was right. something that he actually said. And really? and so there were reports of him smashing phones in I, hotels and all that kind of stuff. Like we did the we did our Gladiator episode and we were both just like, We love Rusty, Rusty's our new yeah. king And then after it we were like, wait a minute, wasn't there something? Because in it we were like, <laughs> he's not cancelled, right? He's not he's okay. And after we were like, wait a minute, was there something with a phone? Um, but, but I mean in, but the, I in the scheme of things that actors oh, have done. Like, yeah, like, you know what? Smashing an inanimate object as sure. someone who has, you know, taught a fucking princer a, a lesson or two in the past. Right. Like, you know, there's a, there's a big yeah, difference between yeah. taking it out on an inanimate object while no one's around them. Exactly. Um, I don't begrudge him that. I, and it's just and like, he, I, think he's, I think he's hit a new phase and I think he yeah. is funny and I think he is warmer and I think Cooler. he is yeah. more self-effacing. Yeah, that's Because guess great. what? Hopefully we can all grow. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Did you find him handsome in this? So handsome. Yeah. And so, like, I just think when I was making this list, I think, ba- like, the thing that I end up mostly being surprised about with these movies, if I end up liking them, is just that they're much a lot more sweeter and they have more heart than I expected. Right. And that's definitely, like, Gladiator. Like, I did it, like, the whole thing about his family and how he's doing it for his kid and his wife and he just wants to get back to them so he can be, like, just a husband and a dad and that I didn't know that that would be part of it yeah. and that's so endearing and sweet and lovely. Such a nice surprise to be able to be mm. watching a film and not really knowing exactly what's going to happen mm. and then being taken by surprise. Yeah, it's so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's really nice. Uh, and he does look fantastic in it. Oh, he, he looks so good and his voice is so... He's very sexy. Oh, He's it's, a sexy man. It's a good voice, yeah, right? very And Walking Phoenix... And then Joaquin, yeah, like being such a creep, such a creep, but doing a really good job at it, like a really good job of being a creep. Yeah, yeah. Who uh, knew? Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> okay, what, what's uh, what's number three? All right, number three is Ali G and a house. I have never. <laughs> I don't expect that you have. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how much joy that sentence after Gladiator brings me. <laughs> Look, there's no. It's not a thematic list. Uh, um. No, 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 no. It doesn't have to be. I just, <laughs> I just. If you'd said take a guess, I you could have given me a hundred, and I would be batting zero. Myself included. Right. I never would have guessed that. I, so, 
so I have to be honest, I could never get into, I'm not really into that style of comedy and I could mm-hmm. never get into the Ali G character. Even though I think he's brilliant, yeah. it's, it's just not my thing. And I would have said the same about myself. Yes. Previous so, to watching this movie. So what won you over about this film? And what is this film about? Because I have, that is a complete blank spot on well, my Well, we only just list. did it a few weeks ago, so it's fresh. And we both, Beck and I, both were just completely taken aback at how much we liked it. I really thought I would it would be a struggle and I'd be like, this is disgusting, just gross toilet humour, um, like lad humour. But it's, again, it's it's surprisingly so sweet and full of heart and actually not mean or anything. I really thought it was going to be mean comedy and Mm. it's not. It's just about Ali G, he's what you think he is and he like gets pushed into parliament and he becomes like, he ends up being like a senator or something or other for his town and he just wants to make the world cool and he wants everyone to be cool and to fuck a lot and just be like him. Yeah. And he's an idiot and he's dumb, but he his intentions are sweet and his intentions are really good. Yeah. And I think that's it's just really clever writing. Yeah. And I which makes sense to Sasha Baron Cohen. Like he's obviously a genius. And like but the way it completely toes that line between just gross boy humor and then there's also this huge other layer of just sweetness and it's it's also very funny very right. very clever humor as well like real subtle stuff not and, just piss and farts yeah and did you <laughs> piss and farts mm. boners and farts yeah. and did you have any idea of the leg character before you saw it no like i knew I, that's a fair while ago yeah i knew i could picture him and yeah. i knew his accent but again, I just assumed he... I thought he was like a Tom Green type right. character. Like real gross, shock value kind right. of humour. But it, um, that's what I always thought. But it's not that. Yeah. Again, it's so much more than that. Also uh, a sweet guy. Tom Tom Green was at the Adelaide Fringe. And well, I, yeah. I just heard that the other night. That apparently he's a really nice guy. Like a real sweetheart. That's really sweet. Really, for someone who was quite clearly hanging out at the back of the Rhino Room and was the proper star there. Right. Everyone who wanted to have a chat with him in a photo, he was like, you know when, you, when you've when you had a chat with someone, you go, oh, that's interesting. And then you you kind of stand back and you're kind of watching a little bit. Mm. Everyone he spoke to, he paid them 100% attention. Wow. He would buy people drinks. He would, uh, people would say, hey, can I get my photo? Or that. But yeah, no worries, you yeah, know. Right. And he was just really comfortable. That's surprising. I wouldn't have expected that from no. him. Because no. his like, humour... It's so shocking. Yeah. Sh- yeah, I just would have thought he would have been like an introvert or like, or just a bit, yeah, that's yeah. really surprising. Yeah, but it was like, oh, let's hang out with Tom Green more. Like there was another, there was an Adelaide comedian called Tom Green and he was <laughs> as, I think he was as jazzed that that kid was Tom Green as Tom Green was that yeah. he was Tom Green. Yeah, Tom Green. <laughs> <laughs> that's, cool. uh, that's great. Oh, that was a, that was a thoroughly entertaining curveball. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, so what was that? Was that number four? That's or was three. That's three. We can kind of lump one and two in together because I was surprised equally by the same reason of them. Oh, okay. It's Rocky and Rambo. Oh, so what's what's number one? Rocky. Let's do them separately. Okay. But I completely understand where mm. you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and once again, these are the movies that you went into thinking. Yep. By the way, I probably had the most prejudice against these two movies out of oh, okay. All of so them. explain to me why. Because of Sylvester Stallone, I really just—I'd never seen him in anything, and I just all my life assumed that he was a big meathead dummy. Because of the way he looked. 
And yeah. And the way he sounds. And that he's in boxing movies. Like yes. I just, you know, I've got a prejudice against boxing too, I guess. Right. <laughs> like, just, Is it because you don't like the sport? Yeah, just like this violent and yeah. just like, well... I just imagine that whatever Sylvester Stallone is in is just going to be a dumb, violent movie right. with no storyline, no heart right. and stuff. Boxing and baseball mm. are two sports that I have no interest in watching right. but love them in movies. Because oh, okay. yeah. you, you could Because my theory is that you don't have to be a fan of either sport, mm. but the defining moment in each sport is thrilling and easy to understand. Boxing, the knockout punch... Baseball, oh, easy to understand. the yeah. home run. Mm. So you, Great, yes. Like, you know why there's never going to be a fascinating rugby movie? Because the defining moment is rolling along the grass on your tummy. Yeah, lifting you up in the... Yeah. yeah, do you know what I mean? I it's just watched my first rugby union game last weekend right. for the first time ever. Right. It was very fun. I'm not saying the sport's not good, but no. just from a cinematic point of view... You can't, yeah, you have to know the rules to enjoy it and stuff, which, I, yeah, I like because I'm not a sports person either. Yeah. So I totally agree with you with baseball and boxing. Yeah, yeah. it's easy to understand. Oh. I know when someone wins and I know when to get excited. And, and I understand the stakes. Yeah, it's a and home the run. Stakes. It's a punch. So true. So, First Blood is a really fascinating film mm. because, uh, and for people at home you're wearing your first uh, you're wearing a rambo t-shirt yes my i told my mom that i loved rambo and then she got me a t-shirt of it for christmas so. good work mom. Thanks, mom and it's a good t-shirt too yeah so going in and i'm feeling is beck the same are you both a bit oh shit yes yeah uh, yeah she was the same she uh, beck had never seen anything sly had been in before right. either and did you have any idea what first blood was about i thought it was I, I, I think I got it mixed up with Platoon. I thought it was set in the jungle in the Amazon or something or Vietnam or I don't know, wherever those wars happened. No, I know. <laughs> I know. I wasn't, it just made me laugh because I actually had a moment of going, the Amazon? Sure. Yeah. Jungle. <laughs> <laughs> something weird. <laughs> but yeah, you, had, you, you just was, thought it was thought that it was kind of war, film. I thought it was a war movie. Right. Um, so that was surprising just from the get-go was that, no, 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 the war's finished and he's just back in Portland, like yeah. America. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was a big, like, war movie. So it wasn't that, which was nice and surprising. Like, okay, so this is more set in a reality that I can understand yes. and relate to, I guess. Um, so we'd thing is, like, we'd watched Rocky before we'd watched Rambo. So I okay. was already familiar with what Sylvester Stallone is and right. not my prejudice Right. idea of him so you're a bit more open yeah. like a bit more a bit more open a bit more open a bit more hopeful intrigued right yeah curious to and see if that wasn't just him being rocky or yeah. if that is him in, in most of his roles so also i haven't watched first blood in a long time but probably by accident Watching it at the right time with cops being awful towards someone who has done something yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was definitely on Rambo's side. I was like, he's a fucking war hero, motherfuckers. Pay him some respect. <laughs> and as yeah. you've just said, you enjoy a movie with a man emoting and there is oh. some fucking serious emoting oh from God. Sly at the end, right? Oh, that's... And when he's like, Johnny, a yeah. with legs. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was yeah. hysterical. I was actually hysterical. Yeah. Because that's what surprised me so much with Rocky, like, learning who he is. He is actually so, such a sweetheart. And he's really, like, rambly. And yeah. I just didn't – I always heard impressions of him and stuff. Like, yes. But – 
I always that in my head those impressions were like because he's a meathead. Yes. But in actuality, he's just like this really like shy and kind of like self-deprecating, especially in Rocky. Like yes. And mumbly and not super confident, despite how confident his characters' like jobs or whatever are. Yes. Him as a character, the way he acts, is really endearing and sweet. There's this really interesting aspect to Stallone. You know how people say Brad Pitt's a character actor trapped in the body of Brad Pitt? Yeah. yeah. And Sylvester Stallone feels like he could have been a Renaissance man except he was trapped in the body of Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. And there's probably probably movies out there that he would have loved to have done. Mm. Like Copland might be an interesting film for you guys to check out. Which is it's He plays uh, an over-the-hill, overweight cop. And oh, it's uh, that would be interesting. He's and he's really good, and it's got De Niro in it now. Oh, yet another oh, oh, opportunity. Oh, my two big heavy hitters. Yeah, so you that might be something that you might like to check out. But it's mm. because, but you you feel like there's probably a, a poet inside Sylvester Stallone. But That's, yes, it's it's like mm. you know, it's like a he he doesn't have the physical capabilities to be that. He he can do this very well. Yeah. But there's all this other stuff going on as well. In his brain. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's obviously a smart man, like the how he wrote Rocky in like three right. days and right. shit like that. That yeah. that was surprising too. I didn't know that. I really just thought he was an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Playing like just but, machismo action roles. But I'm guessing as a kid, you're seeing things like Planet Hollywood and, you know, and also the Rambo movies deteriorate really quickly. Do they? Okay. We've only watched the first one. I reckon you're fine. Yeah. Okay. Like That's all right. Personally, I'm happy with that. I reckon yeah. just like you've seen the good one mm. and then it's it does get into that excess 80s, right. 90s roided up, glistening yeah. with oil, yeah, see, headband shit. I'm not into that. No. Yeah, that doesn't interest me at all. Yeah, but the first one. That's what I thought it was though. I thought it was that roided up. Yeah. I mean, he is glistening. Let's yeah. not take that away from him there is a it's a horny movie too though because he is a beautiful man oh i did, yes. never thought i'd be attracted to sly either and he is well he's he, stunning that those cheekbones oh and oh. he's got sad eyes he does have sad eyes yeah and that's what i makes, wonder if that's what it is yeah he's got sad eyes <gasps> and that's what makes him perfect in the first in first blood and it makes rocky so adorable because he's adorable. He is yeah, definitely. And you know, you know Rocky. Like mm. you know that guy who yeah. just really hasn't had a break mm. and oh, has probably like. ended up in scenarios that are beyond his ability to think his way out of. Mm. And but deep down is quite sweet. Just a bumbling little fool. Yeah. So then Rocky. So obviously, and by the way, you are not alone in this. Mm. People think Rocky is a boxing movie. Yep. But it's a love story. That's the first thing I learned. Yeah. And you know what? I told – because, like, he actually wrote it to yes. be a love story, right? Like, that was, was right. Sylvester's intention. Yeah. Um, and I remember, like, after it, I told my mum that and she's seen it and stuff, but and she had no idea that it was actually meant to be a love story right. either. And now she's, she wants to go back and rewatch it. Yes. Knowing that. Because it really is. Yeah. The boxing is really secondary. And I didn't know that either. Right. And did you have any idea of what happened at the end? What happened at the end again? Well, the genie. The well, the, well, he loses. No, he loses, yes. doesn't he? Yeah. Yes. No, I didn't. And that is... So that movie is a blueprint movie. So 
you know, you get Rocky mm. and then you get the Karate Kid, which uh-huh. is kind of like Rocky, mm-hmm. but with Ralph Macchio mm-hmm. and, you know, karate. And yeah, yeah. instead of Burgess Meredith, you get Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yep. but the genius of Rocky is it, it's just, it, it's just a, about a guy who wants a little bit of self-respect and the fact that he manages to go the distance mm. against someone who has al- always knocked someone out. Mm. I think my favourite scene in that movie is when it looks like the champ's finally going to win and then he stands up and you see you see Apollo just go, this guy. Yes. He's like, come on. Yes. You know, and the I music is wonderful. That classic underdog story and like fucking love an underdog. Yeah. And you see progress for him as well. Like you see mm. when he goes for his first run and he's yeah. just struggling and then he gets up the stairs and I know this is all cliche now, but at the time you go... I can imagine at the time that would have been like overwhelming. Yeah. Lee exciting. Yeah. People thought he was going to be the next Marlon Brando when they first saw Rocky because really? of how good he was in Because of his layers. Yeah. And his, yeah, I can see that. So you could, you could do the Rocky movies and be on a really fascinating journey because they are in some ways emblematic of the times mm-hmm. and apart from maybe Rocky Five, which is a, a dip, mm-hmm. like a pretty... God, that's so many. I know, but it goes really kind of off track. Does there. it? Okay. Rocky Four's a bit... Rocky Four Four's is... Four's the one with... It's, it's, it's when Rocky wins the Cold War. Yeah. And, <laughs> but it's... <laughs> Drago. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I know that about yeah. Drago from the podcast, Finding Drago. From the podcast, yeah. Excellent podcast. So, so Rocky Two's not a bad sequel. Well, we watched Rocky Two yes. like months later we did right. it. Um, and I really liked that as yeah. well. Yeah. And Rocky Three is like, once again, that's starting to go... A little bit sideways, but it is also, you know, it's it's two things. One is it's about someone losing sight of who they are, and mm-hmm. that that as a theme is an interesting story. But it also you need to watch it mm-hmm. just for the moment when Rocky and Apollo race each other on the beach amongst foaming water in tight clothes. Oh my and god! It will oh my be, god! Great! Yes, yes, please, yes. I can't begin yes. to tell you it is yes. one of the gayest things you will ever see, and I'm it's hundred percent there for it. Like even my gay friends say that's too gay. <laughs> <laughs> Adam Richard is like, "What is happening?" Oh there? my god, I love it because something else we've also like was saying men emoting, right. but also men being vulnerable with their friends and yes. and emoting to each other yes. and expressing love for friendship. Yes, uh, like so, I would I'm hundred percent around that. So. In, then, in, in in the ocean too? My God. In the ocean. Hell yeah. In the ocean. But then you get to Creed with, right. with so there's the there's Rocky one, two, three, I think four, Creed's and really five. Good. I think Creed's like my sister's favorite movie. It's so weird. So so you get the five Rocky movies, then you get Rocky Balboa, which he kind of brought back, which is actually a surprisingly you know, when you're a bit, ah, oh, really? Mm-hmm. And then you watch and you go, Oh, oh that was surprisingly yeah. pretty good. And then they reinvent it with Creed, Mm -hmm. which I will not go into, Mm -hmm. but it's Michael B. Jordan. Mm. And there is a scene towards the end of Creed where if you fucking love men emoting, Mm -hmm. I almost could cry just thinking about it while looking at you. Okay. Like it is, it's one of my favourite moments in a movie and it is Michael B. Jordan, I love. Mm -hmm. I've loved him since he was in The Wire and everything, but the acting on Stallone, if you love, if you (laughs) have a moment of Stallone, it's not even him saying anything. It's him listening to oh. Michael B. Jordan's character. Oh. And it is, you will, 
you will fly to the moon and back and then ring me because you won't have any coverage up there. No, Because you'll say, I know what you mean. I'm with Vodafone, so look. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, that sounds really good. Yeah, I am yeah. so there for that because that was what was, again, mostly about Rocky was the surprising one. Yeah. Rambo was surprising because I thought it was a war movie and right. just big machine guns and stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. As you know, they have in wars. Um, but that was surprising that it was just actually like, I didn't know he was a vet and yeah. that he's actually going through some trauma and he's like got PTSD. Like yeah. that was so interesting. Had no idea. But then Rocky, what was so surprising was that he was so sweet and and such a good actor. Like that that speech towards the end where he's yelling at his manager down the oh, stairs. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Like I had just no idea. That he had that in him. And also there's a surprising, like, think about Adrian in the mm. in the pet shop. Yeah. So her at the end, you yeah, know, and her, and her brother her is awful. Oh, and everything fuck that, him off. I hate awful. him. But Ugh. there is, but her, you know, with the glasses and really timid and that to wearing that beautiful red hat. Yeah. Oh. Oh, my God. Uh, do you know she, that was, um, what's the actress's name? It's, uh, uh, it is Francis Ford Coppola's. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, Talia. Yes. What's it? So that's she actually supplied all of the wardrobe for Adrian. That's her personal wardrobe. Oh, and she is. I did not know fabulous. that. Fabulous. Oh my mm, god. Because it was like super budget. Yes. And she's a, she was like a wealthy woman. Yes. Um, well, she's in. Um, she's in the Godfather. Oh, I didn't know that. She has a. Ooh, uh, I'm, cool. I'm feeling really bad that I'm drawing a blank on her name because I actually know her really well. Yeah. Um, but uh, Talia, I can't think what the last name is. Um, but she is a wonderful really actor bad. and has a hell of a career. Oh, great. Yeah. I didn't know she was in. Um, and she is. That's huge. She is. Talia Shire? Tal- thank you. Yeah. Talia Shire. I had, I had, you know, when you get the wrong, oh, you please, get the wrong name in your head and then it's. Name. And then you can't lose it. Yeah. Uh, she is like in a movie that has, you know, young Pacino, mm. uh, Marlon Brando, you know, all of those people. And she is just as, you know, stunning awesome. in her way, in her, and, you know, what her character is in that scenario. Is she similar, like meek and mild kind of person? No. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay, but it's great. Uh, there's something behind that, no, and I'm yeah. excited. <laughs> yeah, but you'll go on, like it's it's one of those underrated characters who has a whole story arc, and it's easy to mm. and it's pivotal. But it's because it's not, you know, it's a it's a patriarchal society, so of course it's going to mm-hmm. be mainly about the men. But yeah. she is there having these experiences and cool. and and her experiences are important. Yeah, cool. But it's but it's completely different to Adrian. Okay, great. Yeah. I didn't like the 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 storyline of of Adrian and Slot and Rocky like didn't like that. I I think he's adorable, but he was like and this is just of its time and what was romantic back then yes. is now it's problematic yucky now. now. He's just was very pressury on her, like yes, um, and very like kind of yeah. Mate, it felt like he pressured her to go into his house after the date. He pressured her to go on a date, and yes. that was a bit yucky. I totally get that. It, that back then, that's what was romantic. Like 
yes. da- damsel in distress, he swoops in and saves her and stuff. Has that great music playing in the background, like it's yeah, yeah. Like, are you, will you? It's so funny, isn't it? Because I like there's uh, like there's just scenes in movies that I know that are problematic looking back on them. Mm. But having been raised by a single mum and being surrounded by women mm. when I was growing up, and these women were like. You know, they were feminists in their own way. My mum was out marching against things, was reading cool. Jermaine Greer, you know, all of that kind Fuck of stuff. Yeah. But, you know, there are these certain movies where, like, that was really hot. Of course. Really hot. Totally and was actually considered romantic. Mm. Yeah. And uh, it's funny to look back on these things now and you go, oh, maybe, like... Yucky! You know, for, like, I know this is a, a really tricky one to bring up, but when I was, like, the first time I saw Woody Allen's Manhattan, I was... Uh-huh. 13 or something mm-hmm. and I was like like it was my favourite film for so many years mm-hmm. and then uh, he's it. in his 40s and he's having a relationship with a girl who's 17 but Whoa, Tracy's really? character was I was 13 like she seemed right so old she was so old yeah, yeah. she's really mature and she's really smart and yeah. it's great and then I hit 42 mm. and my friends have daughters who are 16 and <laughs> I was like oh th- what the f- how was this fine? That was played as romance. Yeah but, it's, yeah, but it's a lesson as well. Like it's it's easy to dismiss it as just one thing, but reducing it. Like once I got to that age and like had like a reference point. Yeah, <laughs> I just yeah, can't watch that film anymore. Can, yeah, it's too actually, weird. Yeah, well, and I think that's what with like say the rock, rocky courtship of Adrian, um, I could too easily put myself in Adrian's position yes. of just like she's trying to set boundaries. She's trying to say, no, I need to go home or I need to call my brother. And he's just right. like, but he's being a bumbling, gorgeous idiot. And he's like, we'll just come here. Oh, I don't mean nothing. And like he feels non-threatening, but then he's also a boxer. So he could easily overpower. Like right. all that's going through my head. Yeah. Um, as opposed to just like, oh, so sweet. He just really likes her and he won't take no for an answer. Right. Instead, I'm like, he won't fucking take no for an answer, and that's scary. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> but then at the same time, she, like, absolutely, and not mm. discounting any of that. But also, she's trying to run home to her brother because she's scared of her brother. So maybe... Yeah. Like, and, oh, that, his whole... Ugh. You know, but there's that scene where he, like, when he leans up on the on the door frame and he's just rippling muscles in that singlet, <laughs> and you go, Jesus, sly. He's, like, he's a beautiful man. <laughs> And, like, he's just, especially Rocky's character is so, like, if you, if I'm ignoring the courtship stuff. Right. He is so sweet and cute and adorable and he's so self-deprecating yeah. and stuff. And he's like, but what do I know? And, yeah, you know, and he's got his turtles, Cuff and Link. Cuff and Link. And he's so, like, that, isn't it? But similar to a Goodfellas thing is, like, that doesn't feel script. It didn't feel scripted. Right. It felt like it was just that's how people actually talk. They just yeah. kind of ramble. They don't really finish sentences sometimes. Yeah. And like there was, I just remember this one moment that sticks out where he's like showing her around his tiny apartment, and he's like, "These are my turtles. That's Cuff and Link. The rest are marbles." It's <laughs> <laughs> such a good moment. So yeah. cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Cuff and Link and the rest are marbles. <laughs> well, well, you know what you will enjoy about if if you decide to do the Rocky Creed journey right and you could go straight to creed one if you wanted to but i i think you would i I think you would have a a fun journey going through the rocky films Mm -hmm. the what something that you will really like is his love for adrian never 
never falters. There's never oh. a storyline where there's some other woman. Uh, there's, he's, I love that. He is. That is beautiful. He always loves her. That's really nice. Yeah. The, otherwise, R- it would be stressful. Yeah, Rocky Three. Like she has to fucking have a crack at him, get him back on track. Because now Adrian is, you know, she's empowered. You know, because he does. Yeah. Like weirdly, he doesn't empower her, and that's how he that's, does. He brings her out of her shell. Yeah. And stuff, which yeah. is very sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I'm yeah. really glad that you like that film. It's it's funny. Like most of them, you go, oh yeah, that's good. Oh, that's good. But and then you, but then there's some that you go. Like Rocky, you go, oh, I'm glad you really enjoyed Good. that. Good. You know, it doesn't matter if you don't enjoy it, but no. Rocky is... That's good. It's beautiful. Yeah. And, it's, and that music is... Oh, crazy great good. soundtrack. Crazy good. Great soundtrack. Yeah. And, like, for us, too, like, we love it when we're surprised in, and like something as well because we yeah. watch a movie a week. Well, yeah. Sometimes two because we've got a Patreon as well. Right. And so we're watching at least one of these movies every week. Some and most of them are just like it's a real hit and miss, yeah. like, and you just we don't know what's going to happen. Some of them are real chores and just homework, yeah. And so then when, especially one that I, ones that I don't expect to like going in and then do, oh, it's such a relief. It's yeah. such a nice experience, yeah. even more than if I was just to watch a movie for no reason and liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Well, I should uh, let you go. This will come out uh, in the next week or so, so it'll be October. What do you have coming cool. up? Um. So next week, so this week, which is we're currently at the 22nd, we we did Resident Evil, which oh, okay. is a movie based on a video game, yeah. and I've never seen pretty it. Pretty boring. Right. Can give it a miss. Um, next week we do it's our Halloween episodes. We're doing It, Stephen ah. King's original It yeah. with Tim Curry. Yep. Um, and then after have you ever read any Stephen King? Yeah, I used to. Yeah. Yeah, I think I used to read like I loved horror books and stuff. I read like Pet Cemetery. I think I right. read Carrie. Um, misery. Yeah. Oh, misery. Uh, Great movie. Uh, you know, one of the brilliant things about misery is mm. James Kahn is such a twitchy and mm. electric actor, and to have him stuck in a bed, <gasps> you really yeah. like opposite Kathy Bates, who gets Kathy. to do all this stuff, and having him incapable of moving. Yeah. Like you, you can you the can feel it, is insane. can't you? Yeah. 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 Uh, have you read the book? Did you say? Yeah. Yeah. Years ago, though, I went through a big phase. So funny, the... After 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 I got too old for Goosebumps, moved on to right. Stephen King. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the book, I, I like the change in the movie because in the book, she chops off his foot. But in the book, oh. in the movie, they just... She breaks she it. She breaks it. And yeah. you know what? That's enough. Yeah, like, that's... Yeah. Like, reading about it's full on, but I... Like that's true. If she chopped it off in the movie, that's next level, and that takes it to something a bit different. Yeah, yeah. That's one of those changes where you go, "Oh, good, good well change." Done. Well done. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then beyond that, I'm not sure. We've got our hundredth episode coming up in the new year, and mm-hmm. so f- we've been saving the ultimate dude movie, the ultimate. I can't believe you haven't seen this movie, which is Die Hard. So we're going to oh. be doing Die Hard for our hundredth. That's interesting. That's mm. the ultimate dude film. Yeah. That's just the ultimate one that if you if you sec sec uh, just slightly in front of Star Wars, but I've just found if when people find out that I haven't seen Die Hard, it's like, have you seen any movies? Like, yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. Mm. And do you have any idea about Die Hard? I know that it's a contentious Christmas movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> really that. is a contentious Christmas Heard movie. That. That's funny. Um, and then. No, I mean, I like Bruce. I find him, I 
Bruce is a sexy man, so I can yeah. imagine liking it. Did you ever see you probably too young and uh, but have you ever seen him in Moonlighting, which was the TV no. show no. he started on? That's 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 the first thing that I'd ever seen him in, okay. and. Like David Addison is his character. That was one of my. It was with opposite Sybil Shepherd. Cool. And he was as as a kid. David Addison was one of my favourite all time characters. Cool. And I haven't watched it in decades. And there's a part of you that goes, ah, oh, I kind of want to look up some I? stuff, but will I look at it and go, yeah. maybe this guy's not as cool as I thought he was? Yeah. I had I that think with. That's a I had huge that possibility. I had that recently with a movie. Um, I won't talk too much about it, but I rewatched a David Fincher movie recently mm-hmm. that I hadn't watched in a while. Mm-hmm. Seven. Have you gotten around to watching Seven? Oh, with Brad Pitt. Yeah. Yeah, I gen I like that movie in myself. Yes, because I, oh, yes. I love scary thrillers and yes. psychological thrillers. So I've seen all of them. Yes. Um, I love Seven. So I loved Seven as well, and yeah. I had not watched it in a long time. Right. And rewatched it recently. Had it. How'd and. It go? Like, still still thought it was – still loved everything about it, cool. right? Cool, cool, cool. But I just found, as a 48-year-old man, Brad Pitt's character so fucking annoying. <laughs> and, like, when I was younger, I was like, yeah, this guy, so why isn't he cool. – Why is he – like, yeah, that old guy, he's been fucking ruined. Yeah, yeah fuck yeah, off, yeah, Morgan. Good work, Pitt. You yeah. show him. And then now that I'm closer to Morgan Freeman's age <laughs> in that, I'm like, oh, this guy is Shut annoying. Shut up, you Idiot. Is he an open mic comedian? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Guess what, Brad? You don't know everything. Yeah. All right? oh, don't make me feel like maybe some of what John Doe is saying is correct. <laughs> anyway, that was a very funny experience. Cool. And do you have gigs coming up towards the end of the year that um, we can plug? I do. I can't remember them off the top of my head. Do you have a website or do, do you want to give us your – which uh, social media yeah, do you use socials, the most? Yeah, uh, Twitter and Instagram are my bigs. I'm at Alex J one, yep. Um, numeral one, and then also our podcast is on all of the socials at the Ladies Guide to Ju- no at Dude Cinema Pod, yep. or just the Ladies Guide to Dude Cinema with my friend and co-host Beck Charwood. Yeah, that's great. Well, we'll have to have you come back anyway, but we'll uh, we'll let you watch a few more movies and yeah. then let me know when you've got some more that have taken you by surprise. Surprisings. Mm, great, great work today. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you to Alex J for the long chat and Ben Elwood for his tasty, tasty cameo. Uh, I've kept the Cal Wilson segment we recorded for a couple of weeks' time. I know I said I was going to put it in with Alex J this week, but uh, I decided I wanted to pair her up with someone else down the track. So uh, next week we will have Ben Elwood in his full glory as we talk about Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. And then after that, there's only our deep dive on Tenet and the Nolan segment of this podcast will be over. So uh, especially people in Victoria, if you're feeling confident and comfortable about going back to the cinema, as a, as we've said before, we were trying to hold back to give you time. And wherever you are in the world, as much time as possible uh, was kept with you in mind so you could see the film. So hopefully you've had an opportunity or you'll have an opportunity soon. But anyway, next week, Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe. And if you have the time, write a glowing review at Apple Podcasts. And uh, don't forget the live Big Squid show, the Christmas show, or the FOMAS show, as we've called it, is on December 13. You can head to giantdwarf.com for more details.
Uh, one more thing before I let you go. Comedian Dave Jory finally succumbed to his battle with pancreatic cancer last week. And if anyone heard me on the last Fofop sounding at times quite sad, uh, this was a bit of information I was holding on to and I wasn't allowed to talk about it until it was made public. It's just really sad news, even if you didn't know Dave. He was a great guy, and we first met 28 years ago at the Hotel Adelaide where we worked as waiters. Oh, yeah, good times. That's what you do when you're young people. We worked as waiters, and we worked on shows like Dirty Dicks and Elvis to the Max and Rodney Rood, and we immediately hit it off. He was really funny and we would trade barbs about the shows or what we were enduring with the rowdy customers. <laughs> you know, those kinds of shows don't really necessarily attract people who are just going to take their time. You know, it's jugs of beer, you know, carafes of wine. Get them to us now. <laughs> and they were stressful, but he was a fun guy to work with and, and we would often get at each other through uh, through the night and eventually they actually uh, split us up because we were having too much fun but we actually worked well together on top of that but you know what management can be like sometimes oh these people seem to be getting along well let's put them in separate areas Dave was funny smart and compassionate and uh, eventually I moved to Melbourne and Dave moved to Sydney where he took up stand-up comedy and it was Really funny stuff. He was dry, he was clever, he was self-effacing. I was a big fan of his work and loved not only performing with him, but also having the opportunity to hang out. And in the past few years, I fell out of rhythm with Dave, uh, mainly his performing schedule, and it happens. You know, you, you go through periods where you're always performing with the same comedians, and then suddenly you just don't see them at all. And it's not that they're not performing or you're not performing. What you find is they're on the same posters, you know, those monthly posters saying who's coming up. And you'll see, oh, he was here the week before or oh, he's going to be here the week after. So we just kind of fell out of rhythm. And by the time I moved to Sydney, he was not around as much and he didn't live in the city anymore. And I just hadn't seen him in a, in a really long time. And hearing that he was sick was awful and uh, knowing that uh, he's gone now is well you don't have to have seen someone for a while to not feel uh, a sadness and uh, a gap in your life I felt a real sadness at his passing and uh, I have to be honest my thoughts are really focusing on his family and, and the closest of his friends the people who were there with him uh, right to the very end. But I just wanted to uh, give him a shout-out, mainly because if if you'd seen him and you were a fan or if you, if you had come into contact with him at some point, uh, you know, it's, it's a tribute for you. And if maybe you didn't, then I just wanted you to know about him, even though he's gone. I just wanted you to know that he had been here and he left an indelible mark on the people that got to have contact with him. I was a fan of his writing and his comedy and I was impressed at the man he grew up to be. And nothing will ever diminish the fun I had with Dave back when we were young men. 
Let's finish with a quote from Grant Morrison that also sums up my feelings about Dave Drury and about you as well. Grant Morrison said, You've got to remember in the entire history of the universe, you're the only you that has ever existed and ever will exist. There's nobody in existence who is you and no one can ever see the world the way you see it and can tell the rest of us how it looks. And it might be so different and so beautiful that it changes everything. Rest in peace, Dave. Until then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.